1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bicara Team. This is Rahadi House. Today's guest on the show is uh, Gillian Thompson Jackson, uh, president of the Neurochical Institute. It is an international representative body for maritime professionals, and Gillian is based in Australia. Gillian, thanks for being here today.
2: Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's an honor to participate.
1: Mm-hmm. OK, so before we get started, could you please share a bit about your professional background and what do you do?
2: Uh, That's always a really good question. Uh, Actually, I I do like to start off by saying I joined this industry by accident, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was during my last year in high school, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, like so many people are. I was an avid figure skater, I played in music, and I love science. Um, But without really having any direction at that time, I applied to also to universities. I did an audition for a skating show and I put an application to the Canadian Coast Guard College. It's pretty amazing i've had so many opportunities over the years with mm-hmm. the canadian coast guard and with the industry um, i sailed on the great lakes i've gone around the maritimes i've been up to the canadian arctic many times doing icebreaking, i've done buoy tending search and rescue and i also worked in the joint rescue coordination center in halifax nova scotia and then i moved into vessel traffic services and i spent 10 years actually also Teaching at the Canadian Coast Guard College, I taught maritime communications and VTS and a bit of bridge resource management. So it's sort of a a mixed bag, but that's one of the great things about this industry. There's so many opportunities. Through my work in VTS, I actually also participated in work at the international level. Uh, This was through the International Association to Marine Aids to Navigation and Lighthouse Authorities, Mm -hmm. uh, also known as IALA. With that, I had the opportunity to move to France for four years to work with Ayala, and then I moved to Australia to work for the Australian Maritime Safety Authority. Yep. Um, about five years ago, I decided to go back to my roots, so to speak, and I started up my own consulting company to focus on VTS, maritime education and training, and the provision of maritime technical advice. Uh, so that's really my professional, uh, through my career. In 2007, I joined the Nautical Institute. And it's really something that I should have done much earlier in my career. It is uh, an international organization, it's a membership organization representing maritime professionals, and actually have their headquarters in London. The mm-hmm. NI provides such a great base for learning, discussing, and focusing on professional development and, and knowing more about how this industry works in July 2020 after going through all sorts of different roles within the, the uh, Nautical Institute um, and all these all these people who work in the Nautical Institute with the branches and the role of president and the executive committee are all volunteers uh, so working through all of those roles in July of 2020 I was elected president of the Nautical Institute which is really quite an honor yeah. and it I think it is an opportunity as really to to highlight all of the great activities and the work that's carried out by maritime professionals around the globe. And it gives me an opportunity to give back to this industry that's given so much to me.
1: Uh, okay, so Gillian, uh, you are a maritime expert, right? And have a rich experience in this, in this industry. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the supply chain reads in relation to the security?
2: Well, you know, as a Canadian Coast Guard officer, I didn't really have much of a link to the full supply chain. But over the years and through my various roles, I've become much more aware of the importance of maritime within the overall transfer and provision of goods. Mm -hmm. As we know, raw materials, fuel, finished product, medical supplies, so much more is all transported by ships. And during COVID, we've had a chance to bring to the forefront in the minds of many, not just in, within our maritime echo chamber, but actually going beyond the maritime echo chamber, about just how important supply chain is for safety, security, and, and in essence, our very way of life. So we can look at it from a uh, you know, zoomed out at a macro level, and we think about you know, what COVID has shown us, the issues of trade wars, tariffs, geopolitical instability, There is an opportunity within the the aspects of supply chain to highlight and to make use of technology, for example, to support the concepts of intelligent routing and rerouting. We we really need to think about where the supply chain risks are and how that affects and, and security is not just security as in the physical security of the ship or the security of the of the cargo. People have such a significant role to play within the aspect of, of security. So yeah. the concept of intelligent routing, rerouting, going through those points that have been identified through the inefficiencies and congestion that we can see around the globe, uh, we need to look forward. We can look forward further and that I think has one of the opportunities to result in supporting the supply chain as a whole. So if you start thinking about that from the macro level at the global concept and we zoom more into uh, the actual transport of the goods, the security on board the vessel, the role of technology and digitalization, we are in the midst of a digital transformation of the industry. But what does that really mean in practical terms? Because the digitalization and through that digitalization and visibility, individual groups are becoming more conscious of what a secure secure supply chain really looks like. And this means that they're making more informed decisions on how they can use their locations, their methods, their partners, how they can work together to support the bottom line, which really means to support the supply chain.
1: Wonderful. This is probably one of the most important questions in regards to the security and risk management in a supply chain. Uh, so the question is, what we can do to protect our supply chain, Julian?
2: And I'm starting to get to that a little bit. When you start looking at the at the challenges and the and the issues, and you actually start thinking about what are the ways, the opportunities to support a supply chain. So the first step, I guess, really is knowing what's going on. How do you how do you understand what is happening within the supply chain? What is the opportunity for visibility um, yep. as an individual, mm-hmm. as a company, as a transport provider? How do you know what's happening end to end? So there are, there are tools that are now available. There's ways to move forward to support that end to end. These technologies are are pretty amazing and they're out there. So, you've got the Internet of Things, all these sensors that are there now through the Internet of Things with small packets of data going, so um, not needing a lot of bandwidth. But now we are moving and we're seeing significant developments in the low Earth orbiting satellite capabilities. You know, back in in 2009, for example, when I was uh, still looking at the introduction of of AIS, I started working on, on AIS. Uh, back when I was in the Canadian Coast Guard and working in VTS and and thinking about what how could we actually identify ships where they were and that was the automatic identification system But back in 2009 they did the first trials with satellite AIS and in Australia we did one of the first commercial trials of satellite AIS tracking it was just pretty amazing to see even those teeny little packets of data that were coming up from the automatic identification system through the satellite could provide us with so much information. So we've seen a a growth in this concept of of sensors. So you can actually be sensing a lot of the cargo throughout the whole chain using these satellite tracking Mm -hmm. capabilities. And there's also processes now that can be tweaked and changed. Mm -hmm. We have to think about the visibility. Again, it's, it's knowing what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, you can't actually then react to it or you can't make it better. So you really need to know what's happening. And then you need to know where you want to be, how you want it to work in the future. So you need to work on having trustworthy, I think, that you need to have trustworthy and accurate data. And then you have to think about how are you going to store that data? That so much data that's out there. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what's happening, then you can't actually work to support, protect the supply chain. So I think really the first step is to know what's going on. Yeah. Then then actually once you know what's going on you have to analyze and you have to assess what's happening. So once you know what's happening and you know what you where you want to be, you can actually start putting in place action. You can translate and make that all that information and put that into knowledge. So you you take the data and you analyze it and you make it into something that could be a practical action. Um, so where was the blowout time in the supply? Was it from a supplier? Was it because of a weather routing? Was it because of uh, an issue with uh, birthing? So where was that actual? Now that you have that knowledge of what's going on, you can actually assess and then you can look forward and think about how can you make it better? So it's it's all about having the knowledge, making use of that knowledge, and then moving forward to indicate how you can support really a safe and efficient and effective supply chain uh, moving into the future.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. And how do you see the role of technology, uh, data equipment, uh, regulations, and other key factors in ensuring a supply chain security, particularly in your industry, Gillian? How
2: does it work? Well, you know, one of my favorite sayings is when technology becomes master, we reach disaster faster. Uh, that's been attributed to Piet Hein. And I really think that's so true. We have so much technology and, and I, you know, I started my career in 1986. I, I always call myself a simple sailor. I really feel that the people are really important, but the technology can support what we do so well. So this concept of, of human centered design is really, really critical. Where is the human within that technology? How is that technology being developed? to support us and not to reach disaster faster. Yep. I think a common fallacy is that you know, some tech will fix the problem. It's, it's either technology or training, <laughs> the two T's it seems. If we have a problem, we'll throw some tech at it or we'll throw some training at it. But in the truth, really, it is looking again back to where are we right now? Where do we want to be? And what is the best way? best way to go forward. So there could be some technology, there could be some training, but we don't have one, uh, you know, panacea. There's no one piece of technology that's going to fix our problem. So that means we need to first, once we know what the problem is, look and see where the technology can support us. And there's some pretty exciting stuff happening out there. Um, The biometrics, identifying people in the supply chain, as I said before, the internet of things, the this, this sensing of cargo status, um, the sensing of, of where things have been throughout its journey, these communication technologies at every layer and thinking about how our data is then being stored. So so then we come into this aspect that we know we have to have the people involved. We know that we have this knowledge base and we have all this data and, and it's a lot of data. I mean, it's really hard to get your head around how much data is out there through these, just from AIS even. So trustworthy data is so important. Now, how do we maintain that trust? How do we know that data is accurate? That it's secure? um, And that it has been consistently provided throughout, there was no breach, there's no break in that data chain. So the supply chain data I believe as we look into the technology and where we're moving uh, you, your original question was about technology, data and equipment. Um, I'll get to regulations in a moment, but data, technology and equipment. All of that will feature as we go forward because we are seeing now bigger move or greater moves to have uniform approaches to data exchange. We did see through the e-navigation work at the International Maritime Organization the strategic implementation plan and development of these maritime services and then supporting those maritime services, we are seeing a focus on the interchange, the exchange of data through standard formats. And I think that that's really critical as we move forward. Then that links me very smoothly into your other part of the question, which was regulations. Um, so regulations and standards are key. If we are going to consider the technology along with the people and all of the equipment that's moving into a secure supply chain we need to make sure that we have effective regulatory oversight Uh, and i and i focus on effective that looks at the outcomes so what is it that we want to happen because we cannot have regulations at a level that tell you exactly what you do every step of the way, because then that will, that will limit innovation into the future. So you need to ensure that we have that goal on, the, on the, the outcome, which is that secure supply chain. Now, once you have that approach, you can start looking at how you exchange data. So these standards, these um, the format for the interchange of data the development that's happening within these various international organizations, I think is critical to having a secure supply chain and ensuring that we are able to make best use of technology. And again, go back to that. uh, We don't want to use technology for technology's sake. Uh, What is the reason why we're using this technology and how can we make it support what we are looking to do so have that vision on where we want to be so that technology can support us and it doesn't end us uh, with uh, reaching disaster faster.
1: Yep. Interesting. <clears throat> so uh, what are the recommendations you can offer to the business leader for their consideration when designing a well-protected supply chain?
2: Now that's a, that's all these questions, are really have so much within them to unpack. And that's really quite a broad one. I mean, how do I, how do I start? I think from looking at what's happening around the globe and, you know, talking with a number of experts out there, that really we go back and we say, well, what works? So start with a simple assessment. Again, what is it you want to do and how is it happening and what's working well? Um, so if it's working well, that's great it doesn't need to be changed, but what does need to be a change? So these questions that you have to ask yourself, you sort of go through the, the standard uh, approach where you think about, well, what are what was happening? What's working well? Where are we going? What is the environment within within which we're working? And this needs to be the type of questions that are asked at all levels. So that the highest level at the corporate level, going down through the finance, the supply chain managers on the ground and those, the whole suite of members that are within that maritime ecosystem that you have and we see a lot that's happening within this maritime ecosystem so go back to technology again and information and the development of maritime informatics as a way to start helping to focus into the future of where are we going what are the weaknesses what are the failures what are the vulnerabilities but also what is working well so i think that that's one Uh, Another one I'd like to highlight is back to those people and technology. Technology is there to support our operations. It does not replace the people from that point. So we need that link between people and technology. At the International Maritime Organization, there was a lot of work that was done on this concept of human-centered design. Um, So we're designing systems to support our operation and having human at the center, rather than a human designed out of the system. So how can we link the people with the technology that will support and not undermine an efficient supply chain? So there are a lot of questions in this, and I I don't think anyone has the the complete answer, but really the focus should be on looking at what's best fixed by people, by technology, or by adjusting the process. So you can sort of think, what is the issue go back to what is working well what needs to be changed and then think is it fixed by people is it fixed by technology or is it fixed by process and often looking at the 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 brain trust that you have can actually support and make a big a really big difference and then my third point finally would be to think about where you're getting your data how are you sourcing your data how are you storing that data and what are you using? How are, What's the intelligence that you're gaining? We've got so many data points and that's, that's it. They're just data points until you put that intelligence on top of them. So how are you keeping your data secure? How are you sharing it to support safe, secure, and efficient operations? Developing internal and external frameworks for, for data handling and data storage is really one of the best ways I think that a, uh, any organization or any company can improve the security of the supply chain. It helps you know what you have, it helps you with that knowledge of what you have and where you are and your vision of where you want to be, then you can actually then focus on that uh, second point I said, but looking at the people, technology and system or process that you put together to make that link. So so it's it's about designing a well-protected supply chain that is actually so much more. So by designing a well-protected supply chain, you're actually looking at so many more factors than just the supply chain is all the areas, of all, mm-hmm. all the elements around that supply chain.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So I actually still have a couple of questions, Jillians, but uh, we are running out of time. So uh, thanks so much for joining me today, Gillian. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch more with you, what is the best way to reach you?
2: Uh, probably the best way to reach me would be through my LinkedIn contact so I'm, I'm, I try to be quite active on LinkedIn. And also you're welcome to email, email me at my at notinst.org. Um, and so that will be still valid while I'm president of the Nautical Institute. And it is a, a, a great opportunity to also learn a little bit more about the Nautical Institute and the role that membership, we are a membership organization it really supports the industry as a whole. So I look forward to hearing from you.
0: At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Bichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website, www.bicharasupplychain.com.